when I'm taking pictures of people, I always look for those unguarded moments. You know, if it's a mother and a child where they're really just focusing on each other and they're not distracted, they're not worried about anything, they're just really in that moment. Like when um, they're not putting their camera face on. Exactly, yeah. So if you're if you're having someone step up to the line, you take the picture a couple times before they get ready, you know, to, to really get their, their true self or who they are when they don't think anyone is looking. I, oh, you know, that's a great that's technique. Always, I, I use that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and people often say, wait a minute, I'm not ready. And I say, yeah, that's, that's the right. point. I know. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> you, you are ready because that, that's really when you capture that genuine emotion. And I think that's really what I'm after. This is Beaver County filmmaker Christopher Writer, Daniel Ross Kelly Keen. Powell, managing director. This is Beaver County artist Marlon. This is Beaver Gist. County filmmaker Joseph Chain. Aaron Podcast producer Kevin This Farkas. is Pamela Rossi Keen, the director of the Genesis Collective. And you're listening to the Genesis, Genesis Collective, Collective Podcast. Podcast. The Genesis Collective, supporting local artists and their work, making art more accessible, and putting art back into our communities. I'm Kevin Farkas, one of the hosts of the podcast. On this episode, Aaron Neinhauser talks about the art and artistry of capturing, preserving, and sharing the stories and images of Beaver County that matter most. And stick around after our conversation with Aaron. Our public art highlight is something a little different and lighthearted. On this episode, we feature the Lion's Head Water Fountain standing guard at the 8th Street Playground in Ambridge, Pennsylvania. A reminder that public art can be fun and playful, especially for children. You are in Beaver County. Yes. And that's where we're recording right now in wonderful, always sunny Ambridge. Yep. Right in Beaver County. Right from our dining room. (laughs) That's right. This is our on location podcast. So we're excited about this. Right, Brian? Very excited. This is Brian Shimini, our associate media producer joining us today. Mm -hmm. Good to be here. I grew up in Newcastle in Lawrence County and then, you know, went to college. I finished up at Pitt and then lived in the city ever since then, had an apartment. And then we bought a house on the north side and we lived there for about five years. And and that was nice. Um, But I just uh, realized at a certain point that I was more of a country mouse than a city mouse. Not that this is very country, but um, more so than the city. So I was real happy to move out here to Ambridge in 2012, we settled in, uh, found a great house. We have really nice neighbors. You can see many more stars at night. Um, where we used to live in Pittsburgh, we had a beautiful view of the city. Now we have a beautiful view of the steel plant across the street. Um, so we're all real happy here. And that's actually where the name uh, Rust Belt Mayberry came from, because I felt like, you know, it's obviously the Rust Belt. You know, there's hard times uh, all around, people that are still struggling, you know, trying to adapt to an economy that doesn't see their contribution as things of value in the way that, you know, the economy did 30 and 40 years ago. And that's, that's hard. And that reality isn't changing. But there's still a sweetness and a kindness, you know, in Ambridge and in Beaver County. And uh, so that's, you know, sort of where the name Rust Belt Mayberry came from. And so through this project, I've been able to talk to a lot of different people, meet people in all kinds of different situations. Sometimes it's, you know, a man on the street thing where I'll stop someone, they're playing basketball or they're out um, at a community event. The woman that stands out the most in my mind is a mother that I met um, at a rally actually right down the street um, and, you know, sort of in the town square in the park around um, substance use disorders and people lost, you know, to, um, you know, drug addiction, people who died from overdoses and uh, different, you know, drug-related things. And 
The event was hosted by Not One More, which is an organization to support individuals and families with substance use disorders. And they had a vigil there to honor um, and remember the, you know, those whose lives were lost and also to talk about um, where people can get resources and support. And so I thought it was really important to go to. And I met a mom whose son right now is in jail, working to get to uh, long-term recovery from substance use disorders. And she talked about his struggle and hers as a mom. And, you know, it was, it was hard for her to talk about. And it was really hard for me to hear. And I think the photograph uh, from that event of her is one of the one of the most powerful that I've ever taken because you could just see, you know, sort of all the hurt and all the pain, um, but also, you know, the toughness and the love, you know, in her face and in her eyes for her son and and the hopefulness that he would uh, one day recover. And, you know, when we put that picture up, it got a ton of support from people, people posting, you know, that uh, the family you know, were in their thoughts and prayers and to stay strong and people sharing stories of similar things they've dealt with in their own family. So I'd love to be able to do something like that with every picture, you know, to not gloss over the real things that people are dealing with and to be able to tell that in a way that's respectful and also galvanizes others to stand up and say, hey, you're not alone. You know, we're going, we've gone through this too. Uh, We're here to support you. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody struggles. And what's good about us as a people is that we, you know, support each other and we're there for each other. And, you know, we have your back. That was, you know, looking back, one of my favorite pictures and and one of the, you know, the interviews that I'll remember the most. Um, I've also done fun things, just stopping kids on on the court playing basketball and talking to them about, you know, what their favorite subject is, what they want to be when they grow up you know, their thoughts about going to college and things like that caught a lot of people out having fun in the snow, sledding and just having a good time as a family. And so I like to capture all those different experiences. Sometimes I'll just, you know, take a walk down the street and see who's out doing something interesting. Other times I'll look around for, you know, different events in the community. I like to try to tell, you know, good stories. So if people are coming together to volunteer, like uh, I think just around Thanksgiving, I went down to the Center for Hope in Ambridge and they do just a number of great things for people in the community. They have a food bank, they have a clothes closet, they have a computer lab, programs for kids, programs for people that are, you know, working to get back to work and find a full-time job. They also do, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. So I went over there and talked to some of the volunteers that were working, serving the food. They have different volunteers from area churches that come in, churches and civic groups on Thursdays for uh, the community dinner. So they serve people in the neighborhood dinner. And so just talked to some of the volunteers, got their stories about, you know, why they volunteer, what they love about Center for Hope and, you know, what they've seen and just a little bit about what motivates them to do something community-minded, because I think those those kind of stories are really important. Showcasing acts of, you know, volunteerism, people doing things that are fun and interesting or unusual. Go to a lot of libraries. I uh, went to the Baden Library a few weeks ago, and they have, I think a lot of the local libraries now have uh, a program called Tailwagon Tutors, which is just fantastically adorable, where they have <laughs> Um, therapy dogs that kids read to to practice their reading skills. So having the dog there makes the child less nervous and they get to practice their reading and the dog loves the company. And so it was like one of the most heartwarming things that you can imagine walking in and you see this sweet little boy reading a, uh, a book to this adorable dog who's just loving it and, you know, so excited to be there. And so I think a lot of the libraries have that. I kind of want to try that. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we do that at home with our cats, therapy cats, you know. <laughs> but um, 
you know, so I look for, look for things like that that people might not know about. What I do is really modeled after Humans of New York, where we, you know, the, the portrait, the photograph is the centerpiece, and then the text or the quote complements that. So it's that person's perspective on what it is they're doing or something they're grappling with or thinking about that day. But um, the picture is really the, the main attraction. And, you know, the picture tells a lot of the story most of the time, um, but the text is there, too, to, to clarify and to complement the picture. Well, let's talk about your photography. So Rust Belt Mayberry mm-hmm. is a photography project. Yes. And I always like to ask photographers this. What is it that drives your eye? Right? What is it mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're looking around, you say, aha. You know, I always look for unguarded moments. Even myself, I, it's, it's hard to let your guard down and really sort of be seen as who you are. You know, you might do that for a little bit if you're laughing really hard at something and then all of a sudden you gather yourself and you're like, wait a minute, you know, I have to get straight laced up again. So when I'm taking pictures of people, I always look for those unguarded moments where people are, you know, if it's a mother and a child where they're really just focusing on each other and they're not distracted, they're not worried about anything. They're just really in that moment. Like when Um, they're not putting their camera face on. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're if you're having someone step up to the line, you take the picture a couple of times before they get ready, you mm-hmm. know, to, to really get their their true self or who they are when they don't think anyone is looking. I, oh, you know, that's a great that's technique. Always, I, I use that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and people often say, wait a minute, I'm not ready. And I say, yeah, that's, that's right. Point. I know. I know that. <laughs> yeah, you are ready because that, that's really when you capture that genuine emotion. And I think that's really what I'm after. You know, for as long as I can remember, you know, I've, I've always, and I'm, I'm sure this will come across in the podcast, like I'm a real weirdo, I'm real shy. And so, I mean, I, I like to be behind the camera. That's a more comfortable place for me. But I've always been really curious about what makes people tick, you know, what makes them who they are to dig a little deeper. And you might, you know, see someone and make certain assumptions about, you know, why they're so grumpy or why they're acting this way or that. But to really dig a little deeper and find out what's driving that and you know, just the experiences that people have had. It's amazing to, to discover through storytelling how much we have in common with each other when it might seem at first glance that we might not have anything in common. So I think that's what's really powerful about photography is that pictures don't lie. And I probably have two or 3,000 pictures sitting upstairs on my computer waiting to be edited and, and shown mm-hmm. to the world. And I think part of that is, you know, just general nervousness, you know, especially mm-hmm. when, when you have something that's more personal, you know. You don't know how people are going to react right, to it and you're kind right. of apprehensive, like, are they going to think it's good? Are they going to judge it? Right, right. And I'm trying to not be so hung up on that. The shots that you take, do you sometimes withhold a particular one because you think it might not be well received? No, but what I what I am really mindful of is giving that person the opportunity to be seen in a way that they feel is appropriate that dignifies them and that respects their experience. You know, I would never want to put something out, you know, just for the sake of getting something in quickly or, uh, or I think the bigger danger is imposing too much of my perspective on what that person said. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking to people, I always bring along just a little handheld recorder um, and I'll take some notes and just make sure that when I do type up their quote about what we talked about, that it's in their own words and that I'm not Mm -hmm. accidentally changing the meaning when I'm putting it through my own filter and and typing it out. That's a great way to approach things like that because a lot of times from content creation and the people who are doing it, your own perspective kind of gets almost subliminally pushed into the, the uh, piece that you're creating. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing a photography project or you're doing a video project or really any project, 
the whole thing is coming from you. So you have your own little creative spin that you're putting on it, whether you realize you're doing Mm -hmm. it or not. Yeah. And I tried a couple times to, I'll I'll test it out. So I'll have the recording and I'll, sometimes I'll come right home and I'll try to type out what I, what I thought they said. And then I'll listen to the recording and see how it's different and see how, you know, my language and how I talk about things, you know, comes through instead of theirs, you know, and then of course wipe that out and just go with what (laughs) they said. Do you have a style? Do I have a style? Yeah, I I like to try to capture a mood, you know, with my photos. You know, I'm looking at one right now that I took of the railroad bridge that's in Manaka, right by the riverfront park. And oh, that's classic. I took that yeah, picture yeah. and it was freezing cold. There was hardly anyone out. Uh, there was some ice on the on the river and it was just beautiful. And when I look at this picture, I just feel an overwhelming sense of solitude. Not a sadness, but just sort of a quiet solitude. And, you know, things are so busy now, right, in in the world. And, you know, everything is scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Twitter. Everything's coming at you. And it's hard to, to carve out that time to just sit and be still and notice something, whether it's, you know, a flower that grows out of the sidewalk, you know, out of all of the cement, or it's the reflection of uh, the bridge on the on the icy waters, or just the perspective, looking up at a flag and, and catching it from a different perspective, you know, that evokes that sense of, or that need to sort of reflect on, you know, who you are, what this moment means, the history behind something, just if that makes any sense, just sort of capturing that sense of, you know, stop and be in the moment, you know, notice something that you never noticed before and think about it, you know, and think about yourself and what's meaningful to you in this world, what's really meaningful, not the stuff that you run around doing every every day, making yourself crazy with, but what's really meaningful and how can you appreciate that, you know, before it's, before it's lost. And hopefully someone will see, you know, some of these photographs of a place that was memorable to them in or around Beaver County or in or around Western PA. And that all have that, you know, a similar sort of emotional power. That's really what I'm going for. Right now I'm looking at a picture of a spider web that has dewdrops all over it. And the spider web is uh, very clear and in focus. And the background scenery, the tree, the garage uh, that's behind it is blurry and out of focus. And the, so the bokeh. Yes, exactly. With landscapes, I like to, um, you know, sometimes have, you know, one part of it in focus and then, you know, the the background a little blurry. Uh, but it just really depends on what I'm looking at. I have gotten really into long exposure lately. Um, I love to take pictures at night. And it's probably just because I'm an extreme night owl. I'm trying to bend the curve on that. so that I'm not going to bed feeling. as the sun comes up, you know. But um, <laughs> I love to take pictures at night, you know, and, and got some great shots of the um, Perseoid meteors just oh, from the backyard, set awesome. up the camera. Oh, wow. And um, you can see there's a huge streak that comes across in the picture and then you can see just the movement of the stars in that amount of time whether it was 10 minutes or something so i love to do um long exposure i love to capture you know a train in motion or or uh, light trails at night obviously you know sunsets you know just kind of scenes that i think come to mind when i think about beaver county and lawrence county and the you know the places where i grew up you know just a, a wooded area with railroad tracks or you know a bridge or you know Things like that. Like scenic shots, but there's like symbolism involved. Yeah. I think those are very interesting kinds of photographs. You know, I always like to think about how will my viewer interpret this? That's really 
what I'd like to get to with every photo. You know, something that people can not only relate to, but that also inspires them, that galvanizes them to say, look, you know, this connects with me in, in a meaningful way, and I'm gonna come out of my shell and say that. Hi listeners, this is Dr. Pamela Rossi-Keen, and I wanted to tell you about a new initiative that is launching in September. We have been given generous funding from Heinz Endowment's Advancing Black Arts in Pittsburgh initiative, and they have funded us to call for voices of Black creative talent in Beaver County. What we're doing is this. We are seeking creatives of all stripes. Are you a musician? Are you a painter? Are you a spoken word artist? Are you a cartoonist? Are you a musician? Are you a designer, a photographer? Do you knit? I mean, seriously, whatever you do, we want to know about it. Here's the theme. We want you to reflect on the idea of being Black in Beaver County. Whatever that means to you is what we want to know. Is this a story of hope? Is this a story of frustration? Is this a story of celebration, of humor, of sadness? Whatever it is that comes to mind for you when you think of that theme and your own identity, that's what we want you to reflect on, okay? So here's what happens. You send us your work to hello at gcollective.org by September 30th. By October 15th, your works will be judged. We're assembling a panel of artists that will judge independently. The panel of judges will reflect on your work and grant three prizes. The top prize is $1,200. The second prize is $1,000 and the third prize is $800. Around the end of October, we will be having a public exhibit of these works, and we're really excited for that. Remember, this is exclusively for Black creatives in Beaver County. We are going to have a venue just for you to celebrate your creative work. Now, how is this work being judged? Well, it has to be something that we can display. It has to reflect on the themes. Whatever message you have, whatever feeling you have, whatever concept you have, it's going to be judged on these three things. Is it clear? Is it sincere? And is it unique? Is it individual to you? Artwork is an expression of the artist. The best art we can hope for is art that communicates clearly this unique feeling, this unique sensibility that comes from the artist. And so that's what we're looking for. Clarity, sincerity, and individuality. Now here's something cool that comes out of this. It's not just the notoriety and the exposure that you'll get from it and the potential prize money, but the Genesis Collective has partnered with three local community development organizations in three communities, Midland, Aliquippa, and Beaver Falls. So in Midland, we have the center. In Aliquippa, we have Aliquippa Impact. And in Beaver Falls, we have Neighborhood North Museum of Play. Those will serve as sites for a month's worth of classes for students. Who will teach these classes? Well. Three artists, three creatives who supply their work for this exhibition. Do you have to win this exhibition to be granted employment with these teaching opportunities? No, you do not. This is a paid opportunity and it's gonna be a really great chance for you to get involved in the community, to get involved in the next generation of artists in our community and to build your resume as well. So when you submit your work, what are you gonna do? You're gonna give us your work, high quality images or audio files or videos, and an artist statement. You're gonna tell us who you are, 
what you do, what is your medium, what is your process, why you do it, and tell us about the work that you're submitting for this exhibition. Again, the theme is Being Black in Beaver County, and works are due by September 30th to hello at gcollective.org. We cannot wait to see the wonderful stuff that comes out of this call for work, and we're ready to share you with Beaver County and beyond. Thanks, Pamela, for letting us know about the Genesis Collective's Being Black in Beaver County Art Invitational. This truly is a major forward-thinking effort to support Black artists and creatives. You can find more details about this Art Invitational in the show notes to this episode. On each episode of the show, we feature a different piece of public artwork in Beaver County, So far, we've talked about the Armistice Letter, a grand 1937 WPA mural in the Beaver Falls Post Office. Up next was another public mural, a vital and connected Rochester, found at the intersection of Brighton and New York Avenues in Rochester, Pennsylvania. And on our last episode, we featured the interesting recycled metal butterfly sculpture in the pollinator gardens of the Sully Nature Park in Chippewa Township. But for this episode, we venture to the 8th Street Playground in Ambridge, Pennsylvania to see a work of public art whose origin dates back a few thousand years to ancient Egypt. You see, to the Egyptians, the annual rising of the Nile River was a major event bringing prosperity and life-sustaining forces with rising floodwaters. All this happened during the celestial time of Leo the Lion. In symbolic tribute to the lion and the gift of water, the Egyptians created lion-head water fountains across the kingdom. Later, the Greeks and Romans and many other cultures across the ancient Mediterranean world copied the lion-head fountains as not only public art, but also functional public utilities that enhance the quality of life. Who doesn't enjoy a refreshing drink from a public water fountain on a hot day? Now, most lionhead fountains from the ancient world, including many modern replicas, are rather ferocious looking, and most are carved from stone or marble, and perhaps cast from bronze or masonry. But our lion, of Ambridge, is a little different. It was created for children, so it's not so ferocious. But I'm sure, to the mind of many kids, it's quite a delightful fright to stick their heads into the open jaws of a lion. Our lion isn't made of marble or bronze, but instead of colorful fiberglass and resin, and it stands nearly five feet tall. It was handmade on a mass production line by Avalon Studios in Minnesota, whose artisans have modernized the sculpture to make it more pleasant, durable, and functional for those with special needs. It's low enough to accommodate little children and those in wheelchairs. This new fountain was a gift of the Lions Club, of course, in the fall of 2019, and it was dedicated to the memory of Larry Kempa, former postmaster of Ambridge. To learn more about this, take a listen to an audio report and see photographs from the dedication by Beaver County Radio's Sandy Giordano. We hope you will stop by the 8th Street Playground in Ambridge to see the Lion's Head Water Fountain, and go ahead, be a kid again, and stick your head in there and take a drink of water. That does it for this episode of the Genesis Collective Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring local Beaver County artists, more art talk, news, and events about the Genesis Collective, and our spotlight on public art 
throughout the county and in your community. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Genesis Collective Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And visit us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our website, gcollective.org. I'm Kevin Farkas. See you next time. You are listening to a production of the Genesis Collective. Supporting local artists and their work. Making art more accessible. And putting art back into our communities. What I want you to know above all is that the Genesis Collective is about you. It's about our community. It's about something that is crucial to who you are as a human being. It taps into a power that we don't realize we have. Artists are making things. This is who they are and what they want to do. Please dream with us, get involved.